This is Brain Diet, episode number 121. I love so much focusing on the food we feed our body, but I love even more focusing on the stuff we feed our brain. My name is Taylor Ann Macy, and I am a certified life coach. Welcome to Brain Diet, where we feed your brain the best information. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I am really excited to be here. It's one of my favorite things when I get to sit down and officially record the episode for the week. So I'm really happy to be here. We are halfway through the year. When this episode will be released, it's halfway through the year. And it feels as though it has gone extremely quickly. And also, it's been a long time. Do you know what I mean? Like so fast and so slow all at the same time. But it got me thinking of the goals that I set for this year, for 2022, and where I was at with them. We are at a timeline halfway point. And goals don't happen in a linear fashion. We know this. There is all sorts of deviation and things that. Um, don't go to plan, and that's all perfect. But it did make me think, am I still committed to what I wanted to do this year? And is that still something that's important to me? Are those goals things that are still important to me? For everything that I set this year, the answer was yes. Everything that I wanted to do this year is still important to me, and I am consciously working toward it. But it did cause me to reset a little bit where I thought, okay, I'm going to just recenter, put more of an emphasis and a focus on my goals and put a little bit more mental and physical energy to achieving them. Because there are many things in my life that have begun to take attention and uh, priority and that's okay. I'm really happy with how I'm spending my time, but it was just a great reminder. We're halfway through the year. What do I want to do to make sure that I can focus on the things that are important to me this year? And so what I did is I thought about the remaining six months and I broke it into two pieces And I thought, okay, by the end of this quarter, by the end of the summer, what results do I want to have achieved? What specific results are important to me that I can consciously focus on and think and measure very easily? And I just made some smaller goals that are relative to my bigger goals that allowed me to create a calendar that leads to progression and momentum in what I'm trying to achieve. So for wherever you are at in your goal setting or in your goal achievement for this year, if you set any goals or not, I think it's worth saying, okay, let's just break down the next half of the year into two pieces and say, what do I want to create in the next quarter of the year? What is something concrete? Even if it's like organizing your kitchen drawers or organizing some things in the garage or donating a bunch of things, whatever it is, just have something concrete to be working towards in the next 12 weeks what do you want to do? And calendar it. Anyway, that was something that was on my mind as I was thinking about the timing of this episode. It's just, it's a great time to reflect and then to say, okay, what do I want to do now? And how can I measure it? How can I calendar it? How can I put myself back onto the path that I wanted to be at the beginning of this year? That has nothing to do with today's episode, but it did come up for me as I was looking at the calendar of when this would come out. Today, we are talking about something that is inspired by a story, a recent experience that I had that really got me thinking. I was just at a gathering of people, uh, friends of mine that I've known for a long time, and there were cookies there. They were frosted pink sugar cookies. And someone said to me, 
oh, I just, I can't eat that in front of you. You'll think I am so unhealthy. And I thought about that comment. And I think they also said like, oh, and I I watched your, your reel about sugar on Instagram. And I had posted a reel a while ago of me saying something like if I were asked to do a PSA and I was like, I don't eat sugar. Sugar is toxic. In fact, I don't know why anyone eats sugar. And then at the end of the reel, I pretended like someone was telling me to replace the word bleach with sugar and then it would give me a cookie. Like it was all just a silly joke of like, no, I really do eat sugar and I would happily do things if people would give me sugar. I like treats, whatever. But I could see why if people didn't finish watching the reel, I would look like a real um, cocky person. I won't say anything profane, but I would look really uh, holier than thou. And that was obviously not my intention. Regardless, I think that they had watched that and been like, oh my gosh, she doesn't eat sugar and I can't eat in front of her because she'll think that I'm so unhealthy. And I can understand where she is coming from. And as I was driving home that day, I began to think about if I could have gotten into her mind, here is what I would have guessed was coming up for her. And here, this is what I would have loved to have explored. And the reason that I think this is relevant for today's episode is if you have ever felt this, if you have been around another person and felt like you couldn't eat something in front of them for a number of reasons that I'm going to go over here, and how to navigate that. If that's come up for you where you're like, oh, I can't eat that in front of them. Like, oh, they're such a healthy person. I can't eat that in front of them. Many of us have experienced this. I know I have before. This is why I felt like I could empathize a little bit with where she was coming from and why I think I have an idea of what was going on. And thus, if I could have gotten into her mind, here's what I think I would have found and what I would have said to speak to it. What I would have guessed, three things. Number one, is that this person has some labels attached to food. She looks at food and might think, oh, this is healthy or unhealthy. This is bad or not good for you or, you know, toxic or whatever. We might have these labels that's coming up relative to what it is that we eat. Should we be eating sugar all of the time? No, I don't think that for most people, if we ate sugar all day, every day, I don't think that would be what would lead to us feeling our best. But I I don't know. I can't speak for every single person. But this is just kind of my opinion. Do I think we should all be eating sugar all the time? No. Regardless, perpetuating the labels around sugar or around any food for that matter brings shame if you eat it. For any label that you have of a food, if it is healthy or unhealthy, if it's bad for you and you eat it, this is the label that you're going off of, oh, this is bad for me and I'm eating it. What does that, what do you make that mean for yourself? Like, oh, this food is really bad for me. If I eat it, then what? Then I'm a bad person. Then I'm an unhealthy person. This is the mentality that can get in the way when we're eating food. So when we keep labels about food as being good or bad or healthy or unhealthy, It creates a very large energy and buzz around food that is unnecessary and distracting. Not to mention, I think the most important piece to all of this is giving food labels that are polarized generally doesn't lead you to consistently not eat it. So what I mean by that is if you have 
like a sugar cookie and you're like, oh my gosh, it's so bad for you and it's so toxic and it's so unhealthy. Sure, that mentality might keep you away from eating sugar for a time, but it also creates this, oh, but it's also so delicious. It's so bad for you, but it's so delicious, right? Which makes it even more enticing. If these labels, if whatever labels you have for food lead you to be drawn to it at some point, like when you cave, that's the moment when we realize these labels aren't useful. Giving food morality creates an emotional experience that is going to drive us to either like eat it or overindulge in it even. When I think about sugar, I like to think about eating it as a strategy. So instead of like good or bad or healthy or unhealthy, it's just eating it is a strategy. There's a time and place for it. There is a genuine time and place that if you want to eat it, that it can be used in a really strategic way. Like if I am tracking my macros, if I'm paying attention to, you know, those specific details, and at the end of the day, I have some carbs left over that I haven't yet eaten, then it's like, great. I know that I need to hit these numbers in order to achieve my physical goals. I need some more carbs. I can have this carby sugar, whatever it might be, because it fits and because I want to make sure that I'm getting the numbers into my body that I need. And again, going back to like, am I eating that all day? No, because my strategy for my health is a little bit different, but there is a time and place for it. And if you think about too, the way that sugar can be a strategy for like a marathon runner, like I know when, I feel like I've mentioned this so many times, are you so sick of me talking about Ben and his 50 mile race? He's done it twice and he's doing it again, doing it again in July. And um, with a lot of these runners, when they are running, they're eating Snickers bars and things that are just like straight sugar because that's what they need. They need that quick access to energy in order to keep going because these races are so physically taxing and the body is depleting all of its energy stores. And so it needs anything it can get in order to have the energy to keep going. So in that case, Having carbs, having sugar, having something that we might ordinarily name as bad or not good for you would actually be a very strategic choice. The example that comes to mind is like I have this cordless vacuum cleaner that is the vacuum cleaner of my dreams because I love to vacuum and that it's cordless. It's just magical. And it's got different modes on it. It's got like the main mode and then you can go into plus mode and then you can go into turbo mode and then you can go into like, you know, it's got all these cool features. And I decide which mode I'm going to use on the vacuum based on where I'm vacuuming, based on what I'm vacuuming up. Like if I'm just vacuuming my kitchen floor and there's nothing crazy that needs to be vacuumed up, then just the main mode works brilliantly. And I can save some battery power, but I still get the job done of picking up all the stuff that's on the floor. But like if there's something that is in the carpet and that I really need like some major power, then I go into the plus mode or the turbo mode or whatever. It's just a strategy. The same thing goes for sugar or foods that you might ordinarily give these moral labels to. There is a place for them and you can use them strategically based on what your goals are. And so my guess is that this person that was saying this to me was saying, oh, you know, healthy people don't eat that. I mean, that is the the title of this episode. How do you know Whatever someone eats, it could be extremely, quote unquote, healthy for someone to eat a certain thing physically or emotionally, but you don't know. 
It's different for everybody. You can't know what is quote unquote healthy for a specific person because maybe one person eating a cookie is going to be a really strategic choice for what they're doing. And maybe another person eating a cookie is not a strategic choice, but we don't know. And it's not our job to guess or assume. And so this was the first thing that I was like, okay, I would imagine that there is a lot of labeling going on about certain foods. And that's one thing that I would love as a major takeaway is that if I haven't already like beat my head against the wall saying this, that food is just ingredients and the different macronutrients and the different ingredients, the different molecules that make it up serve different purposes in the body. And the more that you can learn about the function of the food in your body, the more strategically you can make choices. Even with my children, when I am talking to them about food, when they eat a cookie, instead of saying, oh, you know, that's that's not good for you. Make sure you don't eat too much of that. It's like, guess what? When you eat that cookie, it's going to give you some energy right now to play. Now, maybe later on, you're going to be a little bit tired, but that's okay. It's just explaining the function of the food. It gives you energy right now, or maybe it helps keep you full right now, or maybe it helps your eyes see in the dark, right? It's explaining the function versus giving moral labels to it thus leading to shame and guilt when you consume it. So that was the first of the three things that I would have guessed was potentially coming up for this person. The second thing that I was guessing would have been coming up for her that would lead her to say like, oh, I can't eat that in front of you. That's not healthy or whatever it was. She might have assumed or worried that I was going to judge her. She was concerned about what I would think if she were to have eaten the cookie. She would have been afraid of my judgment. She would have assumed I thought something and then told herself a story about what it was that I thought. So obviously I I wasn't judging her. I didn't even say anything. I just was like, oh, wow, what an interesting comment. And she probably thought if I eat this, she's going to think I'm unhealthy. And then what does that mean about me? That I am an unhealthy person. People are judging us all the time. It's what we do. And not even from a hostile place. Sometimes it can be, depending on who you are, but it's such a natural inclination for us to judge, to form opinions about, to assess, to give labels to other people. And this isn't necessarily a problem until you behave in such a way where you are trying to manipulate other people's opinions and judgments and thoughts about you. Recently, I sang in a church meeting and it was just me and my wonderful mother was accompanying me. It was just, I love her so much. She's such a talented pianist. And I was standing there by myself and there were, you know, a couple hundred people in the room and then it was also being broadcast digitally, whatever. And I was like, there are so many people and every single person is having a different thought about me in this moment. Some people are like, wow, this is really good. Some people are like, wow, she is terrible. Some people are like, what? I don't even care. I don't want to listen to her. Some people are just not even concerned or completely indifferent. But every single person was having a judgment about me. When people judge us, we don't feel that. What we feel is what we make the judgments mean. And what's interesting is a lot of times we don't even know what the judgments are. We're just assuming. That's what's so funny is sometimes we assume the worst, just like in the case of this person. She was probably assuming the worst that I would think think she was a terrible person if she were to have eaten this cookie. 
And even if I did think that, which I didn't, but even if I did, that wouldn't make it true. That wouldn't mean anything about her. That would just be a reflection of me and my brain and the way that I look at the world. Just as everyone that heard me in the church meeting, what they thought about me singing wasn't a reflection of me singing. It was a a reflection of them and their preferences for music and their preferences for people and the circumstances they were surrounded with. Maybe the people that were listening to the broadcast at home had distractions and just didn't even want to have a thought about the music. But regardless, it's all their brain's personal interpretation of something that's neutral, that's just factual and just informational. So what happens is we take other people's judgments most of the time that we're just assuming they're thinking. Like, let's say we're assuming someone thinks that we're terrible. Let's say someone thought, oh my gosh, she was a terrible singer. That doesn't feel bad or wrong to me or scary or embarrassing. What feels wrong or embarrassing or sad is what I make it mean if someone thought that. If someone thought that, I might make it mean, oh, I am a terrible singer. And that would feel embarrassing. But that's not because of their judgment. It's only because of what my brain made the judgment mean. And the thing is, think about it as though, like if people were to say something judgmental in another language, it would have no emotional effect on you because you wouldn't have the mental capacity to give it meaning. They could be calling you horrible names in another language and you would be completely unaffected because you wouldn't be able to give meaning to their words. Other people's words aren't painful. What's painful is the thought that you have about other people's words. And that's such an important distinction because what it is that we are afraid of in these scenarios, the judgment that we are afraid of is of our own creation. Like the, the, the feelings that we are afraid of are of our own creation from how we are thinking about other people's words, which again, we might just be making up in our heads, but let's break this down. So for this person, let's say I even went so far as to say, wow, you're so unhealthy for eating that. (laughs) Let's say I did say that, which I would just never say, because I just don't think that way. But let's say that I did. This person might have made it mean I'm such a failure. Now, when you think a thought like that, it feels terrible. You feel really ashamed when you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm such a failure or I am such an unhealthy person. Yeah, thoughts like that are totally painful. And it's not even that we need to get rid of those thoughts necessarily, but just to own, it's not their judgments that are hurting me. It's what I'm making it mean. It's all within my power and I am safe in this emotional experience because it's just in my mind. Other people and their judgments, they can't overpower me. But then what happens is we're feeling shame, we're feeling guilt, we're feeling embarrassment. And so then that leads us to just continue to beat ourselves up. It would lead us to quit on our goals. It would lead us to give up. And when we do all of those things, of course, you just prove it true to yourself that yes, I am a failure. Now, this evidence that you are using to prove true this sentence that I'm a failure is not because of someone else's judgment. It's only because of this thought that you have, which I think is so powerful in and of itself just to know that this judgment, that any judgment of another person is just a reflection of them and their own brain and how they view the world and their preferences for things and opinions on people. But it doesn't mean anything about you. If people comment on what you're eating, that is entirely based on them. It has nothing to do with you. 
And it only hurts if you make it mean something painful. Imagine this. Imagine if a person said, oh, eating that's going to make you really, really tall, you know? Like if you keep eating that, you're going to get really tall. I don't think you want to keep doing that. I can't believe you. Are you seriously going to keep eating that? You're going to get so tall. (laughs) Can you imagine if someone said that? You'd be like, what? (laughs) It might be a judgment on their part, right? It might be their judgment of you. Like, oh my gosh, that person is eating that. They're going to get so tall. That's like so embarrassing. But it wouldn't be painful to you because you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't give it meaning that would feel painful. It only hurts if we believe it and give it meaning. It's simply a matter of a person saying something and us deciding, is this true or is it not? And if it is, then do I want to make it painful for me? Or if it's not true, can I just allow myself to say, wow, that really is just based on you that you think that that's the case. And this is like, even when my kids, when my kids comment on what I eat, I don't make it mean anything painful. Just like, oh my gosh, you've noticed something. You've been observant about something or you're paying attention. That's a really interesting observation. It's like if they're saying, mom, you've been eating so much cereal. I'd be like, yeah, you're right. I probably have. (laughs) It's like I wouldn't make it mean, oh my gosh, I have and I'm so unhealthy for doing that. Other people's comments on what you're eating are just based on them. So just give it right back to them. Just be like, you know what? You can think that that's totally fine. That has nothing to do with me. I'm the one that gets to decide what I want to eat and why I want to eat it. And it doesn't have to be a problem. So that was the second thing that I would have guessed. First being the food labels. The second being, okay, some fear of me judging her. The third thing that I would have guessed is related to thing number two is her judging herself. So she was initially afraid of me judging her and then really what you're afraid of is her judging herself. Because if she were to, if she were have to eaten, did I say that right? If she were have, whatever. If she had eaten the cookie, what would she have made it mean about herself? My guess is that it probably would have been a little bit judgmental. We develop a fear of ourselves in this way. We develop a fear of judging ourselves when it's something that is completely within our control. And I think the second we believe that it's happening to us, we completely disempower ourselves. But judgment of yourself is optional. It is simply a sentence that your brain's going to offer and then you have the decision. Do I want to keep thinking this judgment? Do I want to entertain this thought that my brain has offered? Or do I want to just, thank you, your opinion has been noted, please move on sentence. That is completely within your power. I would love to have asked this person, again, if I were coaching her, why such fierce judgment? Why? And this is something to ask yourself. Why do we have such fierce judgments of ourselves sometimes? There's a reel on Instagram that's trending right now where someone's saying like those moments when I'm being really hard on myself, I have to remember I'm talking to her or him and it shows pictures of these people as infants and kids, young pictures of them. And I think it's so incredibly touching to think about it this way. If you were to get a picture of yourself when you were three, four, five years old, and if you were to think about the things you say to yourself now, would you say them to that version of you? I even did this with myself where I was looking at pictures from high school and I noticed I was having some critical thoughts. And I thought, if I were looking at myself when I was three, four, five years old or 15, 16, 17 years old, would I say those things to her? If I were talking to her right now in person, would I say those things? 
And it's such a concrete opportunity to reflect on what is happening in your mind and to decide on purpose if you want it to keep happening. So if you do notice that in your mind, if there is some judgment of yourself about what it is that you're eating, observe it and pay attention to it and consider if you, when you were a young child, were sitting right across from you right now, would you be saying the same things? Those are the three things that I might have guessed were coming up. And those are the three things that if that comes up for you, I would invite you to consider and think on. If you have labels about food that feel polarizing, notice them. Pay attention to them and pay attention to how you show up around food when you have those labels. If you are worried about people judging you for what you're eating or anything else for that matter, just give them permission to judge you because they will anyway and then decide on purpose what you want to think. And if you are judging yourself It's time to take a step back from it and observe it with curiosity and compassion. That is all I have for you, everybody. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Are you ready to lose weight, but you don't know where to start? I have something for free that can help. Here at Brain Diet, I offer a free set your custom macros call. On this call, I'll want to know what your goals are and set you on the nutritional path to achieving them. This is a private call with me where I get all the information about you and your body so I can deliver a custom calorie and macronutrient count that when implemented will lead to weight loss in a kind and nourishing way. And if you're ready to hire a coach to walk you through every step of your weight loss journey, I'll tell you everything you need to know about that too. So if it's your time to start losing weight in a sustainable, healthy, and nourishing way, sign up for this free set your custom macro call at the link in the show notes. I'll see you soon. Thank you.